Hello and welcome to the Psych Movie Minute podcast. This is one of your hosts, Joshua Blum. This is episode number 35. And today we're going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on in the next minute of the 2017 independent film, The Year of Spectacular Men, as we have been doing for the last 34 episodes. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We're going to be talking a little bit more about a follow-up to a few episodes ago. We had talked about some of the things that happen in clinical depression, and we're going to be talking about what happens when one of the main characters of this particular movie encounters um, one of the things that goes with that, which is isolation. It's not necessarily part of the criteria, but it's something that often really often happens a lot uh, with folks. And uh, we're going to be watching that minute and discussing it and talking about maybe some things that you can do should you find yourself in that particular position or if you have a family member who may be there or if you notice somebody, I think one of the th- that, that, that you know you may be encountering in your day-to-day life, one of the things that often happens is that sometimes when people are in the midst of one of these particular issues, like say major depression or something like that, uh, it may be very difficult to uh, see the world outside of it. You know, we all can't, you know, none of us really have a camera that's looking at us outside sort that we can actually observe at the same time, right? You know, even if you were to film yourself, I guess, um, we obviously do live in a society where there are cameras around, that kind of stuff, but how often do you actually look at that and, uh, exp- you know, sort of see what's going on in the inside at the same time we don't really kind of it's one or the other so often other people will kind of i get ideas about what's going on or may want to make changes or make suggestions uh in your life kind of like what we're going to be talking about in this minute so as a way of introduction i'm a child and uh adult psychiatrist We'll often see folks in uh, these particular kinds of predicaments, and sometimes family members are getting involved. Sometimes it's other folks, uh, like friends, or or um, uh, sometimes it is uh, partners uh, who are initiating the referrals. It's like, you know, we really want you to get some help for this. Sometimes it's the patient themselves, but they're not really sure what to do. So let's go ahead and uh, watch the minute, and then we'll come back. So this is a, a movie that you can actually watch for free on the on the uh, service Tubi. You can also find it on YouTube and Hulu and a bunch of other places like that for streaming. So let's go ahead. And this is minute 34 going into 35. You weren't ready to see them yet. Main character Izzy is talking to her sister, Sabrina. To this? Not serious. Is he? Is he drinking out of a three liter bottle? If you spend one more second moping over those pussy ass bitches, Ross and Aaron, I'm gonna hit you over the head with a cast iron skillet. I'm going to Fox Mulder's Poetry Party book launch. She's a big fan of the X Files. This is incredible timing. This is such good news. So many important questions. Namely, I've been wanting to ask him about that kid, Gibson Praise, who just disappears at the end of season five with no explanation, and it's like, what happens to him? Yes. Hmm. She's looking for David to come me. Oh, thanks. Okay. Uh- so that was a scene where you might be able to get it, even if you don't you don't have the visuals, um, where one person is trying to get the other person to do something. And in this case, it's Sabrina who 
uh, is an actress and model, and her sister Izzy has just graduated from college and is, uh, how should we say this, mm, squatting, I guess, you know, in her in her home, uh, in spending most of the time kind of isolated in her room. Um, and in previous uh, episodes, you know, she has talked about being depressed and having lack of direction and so forth. And so she's sort of dealing with this by um, not really doing a whole lot, sleeping a fair amount. I think um, probably not eating great. And um, we see her eating some trail mix here and there, but probably not much. She's watching a lot of X-Files, which is her seems to be her favorite show. Um, and her sister has been trying to get her to do things like unpack stuff and, um, you know, just be a functional human. And so this is a, um, a little event that they're having. And, uh, one of the X-Files characters, the David Duchovny character, um, is going to be there, uh, so apparently, you know, so she's going to try to drag her out to, to maybe, you know, she could meet one of her heroes. So... That comes with, uh, there's a little line about, you know, you have to leave the house and you, at some point you gotta, you know, um, you know, sort of just move on with your life, right? As opposed to living in, in a, uh, a fantasy world. So, um, it's really interesting. I thought with, with this particular clip, because Sabrina is like, okay, here's a thing that you might want to go to try incentivizing her to, you know, sort of get off her duff and start to do something. And it does get is he excited? Although not necessarily for the reasons that Sabrina is hoping it will get her excited for. He starts to get excited for all kinds of X-Files reasons and, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, the next scene, which it just starts on, which we'll pick up next minute at minute 35, it shows Sabrina, Izzy, and Sabrina's boyfriend, and they are all at the this event. It looks like a house like a, a house of some kind. This looks like a pool. There's looks like there's a band there. So she's out and about. So it apparently worked. So one of the things that just to to, to think about, um, we talked about in a previous episode, some of the things that happen with clinical depression. All one of the things that often will happen is people say like, I have no energy, I have no motivation, I don't enjoy anything. But it, uh, you know, other people may sort of see it as when even when they hear the word motivation, they're like, well, what is so hard about that? Just go do it, whatever it is. You know, wash the dishes, brush your teeth, take a shower. And often people will say, like, I have no, I have no will to do it. You know, they, they may try, but they, they fail. Uh, there's there's an interesting kind of word that goes along with this that is actually one of the symptoms of depression. Um, it's, and it's, it goes along with this idea of just loss of interest in things. It's the word called anhedonia. So hedonism, uh, you know, like if you ever studied any Greek sort of roots and things like that, you know, pursuit of pleasure and meaning, you know, prefix, prefix meaning not, so not, you know, pleasurable. Um, and, and that's what that word means. And hedonia means the loss of pleasure. It also may sort of encapsulate the loss of the pursuit of pleasure. Uh, because really, what's the point if you can't experience anything, if everything is numb? And that's one of the things that people often will say in various ways. They'll say, I feel numb. I feel like nothing has any point. Uh, I feel like, you know, I'm just going through the motions. I feel detached. Now, there are times when people will experience what we call depersonalization or derealization, where they sort of feel like a bit detached from reality in some way. Not necessarily in like a, you know, a psychotic way where they've totally lost touch with it. But they feel almost like they're sort of out of body, a, a bit like they're watching a movie of themselves, like things are happening a bit in slow motion. 
Um, so it may feel like the world is kind of going faster than you are actually thinking or moving. And there's a bit of cognitive slowing and um, movement that may go with depression as well. So all those things being true, many times people will isolate themselves and because they, for a number of different reasons, I mean, sometimes it's just that um, they feel like they don't want to be around other people because it's, it's just too draining. It's much easier to spend time alone. They may be worried about what they look like to other people. You know, maybe if they haven't brushed their teeth or showered in quite a while, they may be a bit self-conscious about that. And they know they may know that mm, I may come off a bit, you know, out of it to other people. Um, they may also just find the process of being around other people and trying to make conversation um, to just be socially, you know, just to be exhausting. And they this this will be true even for folks who are not typically anxious in social situations. It could be very extroverted people. Uh, they may also find that being in those kinds of situations is, it, it's an unknown, right? So even the process of uh, depression, especially if it is something that's going on for a while, can can be, start to feel a bit comfortable. Maybe not comfortable, is not that the right word, but it feels habitual. And making a change can be difficult, even if it is a change for the better, because it, it, it entails unknown. Uh, another thing that may happen uh, is that people may start to feel already have this is this is a this is one of those things that can be a long-term kind of thing as well um a lot of guilt around uh, around stuff and this is something that may precede the major depressive episode by a lot you know people may have taken people a whole lifetime to come up with all kinds of different ideas about themselves and the world and that kind of stuff like that and how it operates so some of those can be very negative uh, people can be sometimes their own worst critic uh and their harshest judge and so when they're depressed, that may just sort of get amplified and, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm just a burden on other people. I'm bringing other people down. I don't want to, you know, that very, that, that side of thinking. And so for all those reasons, people may not want to uh, be around anybody else. Now, for a family member who's kind of seeing this happen, they're like, what is going on? Especially now, sometimes you can tell people are sometimes very overt, you know, in, in how they kind of uh, express these things. Um, if you know somebody well, you might be able to tell that they look sad, no, but not everybody necessarily does. It's not necessarily, um, you can't necessarily just tell by looking at somebody. You know, this could be dependent on uh, the culture or, you know, a person's particular presentation or things like that. But by and large, that's a, it is not a specific uh, or necessarily sensitive kind of thing. I mean, it's just a, is one of those things that goes along with being depressed, but it's everybody's a little bit different in how they express it. Sometimes, you know, someone may actually look very happy to to you, but alone, that front comes down, and and they're more of how they would see it as themselves. And it's almost like the uh, the makeup comes off, you know, when they're by themselves, and they can, they're free to be the, who the, who they really feel that they are, and that may be very different from how they present themselves to other people. Now that. Right, right there entails that they're putting on a bit of an act, and that may take energy, I mean, energy they don't have. So anyway, all these different things like that kind of going into this. So it's a really common kind of thing. So what do you do? Like, what do you do about that? Well, if you're dealing with this sort of thing yourself, one, anything you can do to get, create any kind of forward motion to keep going forward in some way, it could be very small, and I would say the smaller the thing, the smaller the better, is gonna be helpful. So generally, um, you know, if you, if you think back to uh, like physics, basically, you know, principles of like inertia, right? You know, something that is at rest tends to stay at rest. Certainly true for folks who are depressed, but 
um, something that's in motion tends to stay in motion, right? So if you can get any kind of um, forward, essentially momentum going, it's going to be helpful. There's a, uh, th I, this is sort of an aside, but there's a thing that happens uh, for folks who have uh, Parkinson's disease. And if they may have a lot of difficulty actually initiating movement, but they also have difficulty sometimes stopping movement. So if you know someone who has Parkinson's, don't push them because they may have a lot of trouble stopping. They do this sort of like, it's called festination, where their, their steps get smaller and smaller and smaller. And it almost looks like they're shuffling. And it actually can, if you're not actually sure what it is, it looks like they might be faking. But they're really trying to stop themselves, but they can't. And it's, 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 uh, it's an interesting sort of thing because it may be, have been equally difficult for them to get up and start moving. And so the same is kind of true for a person who is dealing with a depressive kind of uh, episode. It may be really difficult for them to initiate movement, initiate some kind of um, forward motion. But once they get going, they may be actually okay. So that's the harding is the, 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 the starting is the hardest part. And so if you have somebody who can help you do it, just like in this case, Sabrina was the motivating factor here, um, that can be really helpful. Any kind of forward motion helps. So if it is any kind of physical activity, uh, even if it's not necessarily physical exercise in the in the standard workout sense, if it's any kind of physical movement, it could be something as simple as going for a walk, or you could do something that's uh, you have to do anyway, but may you may be neglecting, like walking a dog, for example. So for many people, having those kinds of aspects of their daily routine can really, really be helpful. Now, in this particular case, Izzy doesn't have those things that we can see. She doesn't have a pet to take care of. We're not really sure that she's maintaining regular routines in terms of eating and sleeping. And so if you are around other people and you can let them help you, kind of remind you of those things, that can be pretty helpful if you'll let them. If you are the other party and you want to try to be helpful, um, so that you can often help people by making sure that they are eating regularly, that they are trying to go to sleep at a regular hour, they're not spending all night, you know, staying up and then sleeping all day, because that further isolates you from at least the, the waking world at least a diurnal waking world, right? Some kind of social contact can be really helpful. So if there are people that are reaching out, uh, even if even if all they're doing is leaving messages or texts and stuff like that, that can really be very helpful uh, for folks. Now, if they're not reading them and those kind of things like that, then at least they will at some point. Again, it can be helpful to have people around that are making sure that, uh, you know, their mail is, is, you know, not sitting in the mailbox and all these other kinds of things like that. Because that lets a person know that there's life that's continuing outside of their own sort of stasis. But if you don't have anybody like that, um, it sort of falls to you to do those, to, to do some of those things. So sometimes people will kind of let those things go. And that sometimes is a early sign when one of these things is coming on. So as people who've been through a number of depressive episodes will start to almost be able to predict when another one is happening because they may find that certain things happen. Uh, maybe they start to not shower or forget about regular eating or they don't follow up on daily things. They don't check their email. They don't check their mailbox. They, they don't stop exercising, all these kinds of things like that. So I think part of the thing is kind of recognizing what these daily routines typically are for you in your life and then trying to maintain some of those things, even in a little bit, you know, even a small, tiny uh, bit of it, um, something as simple as like, well, I always 
I always make my bed in the morning. Well, so continuing to do that sort of thing. And even though that's a very small thing, it is a step in the right direction, or a step in the direction towards getting better and changing your, or at least changing your situation, right? If you do the same things, it's hard to really expect different results. What else? What else is, can be really helpful to do? One of the things that's been really helpful, I think, over the course of the pandemic is that even for folks who are isolated uh, and were not necessarily depressed, found it really helpful to stay in contact with people just through, say, Zoom and uh, other kinds of online tools. And so that's something that is much more um, prevalent now than it certainly was even at the time when this movie was made five years ago or when the movie came out, at least. Um, so I think those kind of things can be pretty helpful. I mean, it's, is it the same? No, it's not the same. But, you know, something is probably better than nothing in many of these cases. So I, I think the point is any kind of forward movement uh, can be helpful. So even, for example, let's say let's say in this situation, Izzy had said, no, I don't want to I don't, I don't go to this uh, event. I can't get out of the house. Okay, well, could she uh, do something that... Um, Besides, you know, say watching X-Files, could she watch X-Files in the room with other people? You know, it, they may have a, like a, you know, a, a large, you know, a family TV or whatever that they have there, a larger one that I think she's watching it like on a, on a, a laptop. Could she do that? Could she attend a, uh, something where the other people are involved? Like, could she do a family dinner? Um, could she do, could you do a walk with say Sabrina and her boyfriend? Uh, could she, you know, any of those kinds of things like that would be helpful. W would she, could they involve her in some of the day-to-day -day chores? Uh, I, I think her sister does most of, a lot of the cooking and stuff like that, but could she be helpful in that way? Could she do the shopping? You know, so there's lots of different ways. I think one of the things that is really, really, you know, almost unfortunate um, in the way we kind of view these things, and maybe it's an artifact of modern life in some ways, uh, which gets a kind of like disconnection that people feel, is that almost anybody, if they are capable of like maintaining some level of safety, you know, so above like probably f six years old or something like that, you know, they can probably contribute in some way to uh, a family. You know, they, they can probably help to put things away. They can probably help to clean things. They can, they might be able to do things like that need to be done in the yard, any little bit. And that allows the people to feel useful. And one of the things that often folks who are depressed will often say in some variation is that I feel worthless. I feel useless. I'm not contributing in some way. And so I'd rather isolate myself because no one's going to notice. No one's going to care. It's not true, but still, that may be still what they feel. So that's the thing. It's like get get people feeling useful. And uh, even if they can't necessarily see the benefits of their labor, just having something to do is really, really important. So we'll end on that. And uh, you can find more episodes like this uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we will keep going. Speaking of which, we will keep going forward and talking about the next minute in this particular um, movie. And if you... Uh, you can check us out on social media if you do that sort of thing and Twitter and Instagram and so forth. And thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.